0: So I was looking through the um the discussion channel before and, and I mean so again I'm always gonna pronounce name wrong names wrong, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pronounce this Deckers. Had a couple questions um that kind of started up yesterday and, and ended up being a really good conversation. Uh Publius, you wanna walk through uh, I'm not going to, you know, repeat all the questions, but do you want to walk through some of the, the items that were talked through in this conversation between you and Deckers?
1: Sure. I, I mean, I think for, for, for those who just listen uh, and don't have access to the class discussion, it might be helpful to repeat the questions. Sure. So we'll repeat them and then Perfect. try to answer them a little bit. Wonderful. Um, so the first question was, why was the A on the bean 3 curve pool originally set to 10? The short answer is that is Curve's recommended level for on their website when you're deploying it. They have uh, like three samples. They have 10, 100, 200. Uh, 10 is what they recommend for uncollateralized algorithmic stablecoins, which, I mean, to be honest, in the grand scheme of things, you know, we probably could have started with an even higher A. At this point, we would certainly make an argument. Who could handle a higher rate, but nonetheless, um, you know, we felt like we should just follow their advice. Now, their next question was, do we see any benefit to ramping it up? Uh, would there be any requirement in liquidity for us to increase it? Uh, n- not exactly sure what curves and their community or their DAOs, uh, typical, uh, typical standards
2: are. Um, you know, but in short, it would require a vote on
1: their end to increase the A-parameter. Therefore, you know, while we'd like to do that, uh, it would it would require a little bit of a, an effort on our part. Given the lack of success, at least over the past day, on the the curve gauge proposal, think, uh think Beanstalk Farms, we need to do a little bit more work uh, figuring out curve governance and getting stuff moved along there before we were able to move up the A-parameter. But uh, in our opinion, there's no real reason not to. And then the third question they asked was uh, why did uh, we deploy the bean LUSD pool with an A parameter of 100 instead of 10? Well, uh, in short, given that we feel like the A parameter for the bean 3 curve pool could be higher uh, and there's friction on getting it higher, we wanted to just start the bean LUSD pool a little bit higher. uh, And given that the bean price has been particularly stable around a dollar, we felt that was appropriate. Um, and then furthermore, if you consider that uh, LUSD t- typically trades above a dollar a little bit, um, or, or trades disproportionately, uh, if you look at the liquidity pools on curve that they're in, we felt like having a higher A parameter would benefit both being stock and LUSD holders who are gonna hopefully add LUSD to the pool in the not too distant future.
3: And um, Brian followed up with some great context surrounding what criteria Curve
4: seems to use when evaluating whether an A parameter should be raised and shared some simulation software that seems to perform some analytics at different levels of A-parameters. So a little call to action to, you know, the analysts out there, TBIQ, whoever else, if they were to kind of reproduce this simulation on the bean three curve pool, you know, think the community would Totally appreciate that, and we'd be able to leverage that data a lot to potentially make a case to raise the a parameter if that's something people are interested
3: in. hadn't hadn't had a chance to review that data. That's uh, looking at it now. That looks pretty cool. So
0: my friend doesn't really understand the concept of an amplification parameter. Could could someone? Could,
3: Publis, could you explain that for my friend? So the curve pool uses a combination of two different pricing formulas.
4: The first is a constant product price invariant, which is similar to what Uniswap uses. You take the multiple multiple of the number of reserves in both pool, and that gives you a variable they called K, which when you trade in the pool, K is kept constant. So the amount of asset you take out when you put one asset in is equal to the K, you, know, you keep constant the K parameter. The other model is a constant supply model, which is what you would get if you kept a steady peg between two assets. X plus Y equals K. So if you take one out of one, you take one out of the other. Now in an ideal world with stable coins, we want to use the second formula because it's a constant product or it's a constant price. However, the supply X plus Y of liquidity is extremely low. So what Curve does is they take a combination of both these price formulas. And the closer to PEG the prices, the more they lean on the constant price formula. And the further from PEG, the more they lean on the constant product formula. The A parameter is a way to tune how much the price should kind of focus on one of the two formulas. Or weight more heavy in terms of the price. So the higher the A value, the more the price relies on the constant price formula over the constant product formula. And thus by turning up the A, you can have more concentrated liquidity around the peg because it relies more on the constant price formula. However, the problem here is it runs out of liquidity faster because we're concentrating the liquidity more. So those are
3: kind of the trade-offs you should think about as we consider whether to raise the A parameter.
0: That was a really good explanation. I uh I really appreciate that. Or my my friend, my friend really,
2: really appreciates that. Well you appreciate it on behalf of your friend. I, <laughs> You're that type of guy. I,
0: that's what I will do. I will appreciate it on their behalf. Okay. Um anything else? Anything else you want to cover in terms of that conversation? Breen, yeah, dropped a bunch of really good information into the chat as well shout out to
3: breen um deckers thanks the group anything else to add before we kind of pivot on to the next item just uh go vote on the
1: curve gauge proposal if mm-hmm. if you are able to or if you have friends that are able to you should definitely harass them to do that now that
0: my friend understands amplification factor I'll, I'll just have him go vote
1: my guess is your friend who has the curve for convex vote understands the amplification parameter. That's so maybe, maybe that's different very brands.
0: fair. That is very fair. Very fair. Um. All right. Before I jump to BLC, who I see is next in the chat, Kid Quartz
3: has their hand up. Kid, you want to hop up on stage? Let's see if I can... usually where our system falls apart and I try to bring him up and I don't have any luck. We just invited you up, kid course. There we go. Go ahead. You're muted, uh sir. Now you're unmuted, but just can't hear you. Oh, we lost Kid Quartz. Um, Feel actually looks like they jumped from the meeting, so maybe
0: they're kind of restarting their system. Um, I'll give the shout out. Oh, all right.
3: How about about now? yeah
5: you're good go ahead um yeah i was actually talking earlier today with someone about the amplification coefficient and it just seems like it would provide uh a lot of safety for larger investors in the case of a panic exit um or at least shore up confidence obviously concentrating liquidity there always runs a risk of eating through all the three curve but rather than try and submit a new curve proposal to adjust the existing factory pool, have you guys considered just doing a
3: migration? Yes. Uh, And in fact, uh, this is something that I think will go, we think will likely go
1: hand at hand or be very much complemented by generalized minting and generalized convert. Uh, Having generalized convert makes doing the migration much simpler and having generalized minting allows bean stock to respond to uh, the delta in the pool without having to have volatility in the bean price itself if that makes sense so uh as we get generalized minting and convert uh, shout out harry smith i'm sure we'll get to that question in a second um but that will be something that i think makes a lot more sense for for bean stock to do and make a migration potentially easier <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I think that
5: uh, retail and even VCs and the like, or investors that I've talked to about it, um, love seeing that concentrated liquidity. And part of it is maybe not understanding exactly how it works, but that was my question. So excited for that migration.
1: Yeah. And just to compliment that would also just note that uh, over the past couple of weeks, the liquidity as a percentage of the bean supply has started to increase dramatically. It's now over like a third of the total beans or something like that. And so, uh, in short, uh, having a large amount of that liquidity in a curve pool uh, with a high A parameter is obviously a very strong statement about peg maintenance.
2: Yeah, of course. I think that, um,
5: well, the increase in liquidity is like got to be sort of a byproduct of they're not being paused to sow. Well, it's, it's hard to know exactly how the flywheel inspires the additional liquidity in the silo, but uh, yeah, super exciting. Cool. I'll jump out of here.
1: Yeah, in practice, just to comment on that, what we've noticed, and it's not to say how this will work in practice, it certainly seems like the excess demand for soil then led to the question, well, where el- what else can we do? And at that point, the silo became something people were interested in. Now, as people start to understand bean stock more, there may be more interest in the silo, uh, even during shorter or long-term debt cycles because of the ability to accrue stock. But um at least in this cycle, it seems like it was led by excess demand for soil. Uh, and if we backtrack a little bit from there, it does seem like the excess demand for soil was kind of led by the development of the pod marketplace and the liquidity or pods themselves. So, just to yeah, we'll we'll welcome you back up here to chat about this. But um, definitely very interesting questions. Yeah, it's always it's uh,
5: it's interesting to hear that that is the cause and effect in this instance. I guess this is not um related to the amplification coefficient as much as it is increasing liquidity in the silo. Have you guys thought about integrating with some of the, uh, you know, collateralized lending platforms like Abracadabra, um, if you just wanted to bootstrap liquidity super quickly? I mean, I think everyone saw what it did with Anchor and it seems like you would spike demand so much, it could probably get you out of the current debt cycle.
1: Yeah, so the short answer is uh, the goal is to deploy a variety of different stable swap pools over the coming Weeks and months. Um, there is something to be said for not overdoing it until you have some sort of convert live. Um, you know, we've, we've already started to see right. yeah. how you have like a million X's on curve and it takes a couple hours for the system to deleverage from there. And the, you know, don't want to rush it and have like a ton of different pools all launching back to back while we're still in the stage, but agree that that's like a, a high high priority. Oh,
5: I'm sorry. What what I mean is like letting people take like, you know, suppose the gauge gets put in, the convex proposal goes well, and taking their CVX three-curve bean tokens, you know, depositing something like Abracadabra and allowing people to through a, a platform like that, which is just going to deposit in the silo and issue a stable coin against it, you know, essentially just loop it. So that you could have you um, you'd generate a fuck ton of liquidity overnight, right? Because um, like UST anchor, right, all that demand and anchor comes from, or not all of it, but like a couple billion and a half of it, is just UST on eth, in abracadabra, deposited in anchor, borrowed against and then redeposited. And so like some sort of looping mechanism would just create tons of liquidity overnight. Is, is, so
1: that 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 right. requires uh, some sort of semi fungibility on the deposit front, which is being worked on uh, at the moment. Uh, but you know, until that's live, it's not really possible to have that sort of uh, lending or, or uh, rolling over because of like the crates or, or something. Also, well, I'm talking. I'll, I'll hop out of here. i No, this is great. This is this is really great discussion. This is fabulous. We love these questions. Um, the the. Sh-
4: Go ahead, Poo, I mean, well, there is a way, you know, with the deposit mechanism, right? We could just transfer deposits, you know, of the same seeds and other input from the UI. Um, I think the main problem is we would need someone willing to issue a
5: stable coin against being as collateral. Right. But I mean, like, the liquidation mechanisms on a lot of these platforms are, like, sufficiently sophisticated. If they're willing to issue them against, like, SPELL, or you know time or memories or any of these Doge, Shiba, like if you have really good liquidation mechanisms, um, I don't know, it just, it just seems like an easy next step if we can get to the convex integration to say, hey, you want to take this from like, you know maybe at that point, $50 million of liquidity to a billion overnight and make everyone get paid on their pods, introduce leverage into the system and let people borrow against their silo positions. Um, is one thought I've had for how you could really increase liquidity overnight. You would recommend abracadabra for this? Or what other protocols would you recommend we consider? I was talking to, well, there's some on Solana that are being developed right
1: we, now. We couldn't agree that this is like an incredibly high leverage. I couldn't agree more, I would say. Um, so this is just... At the moment, and and you know, over the past couple of weeks, there really has been an increase in legitimacy of Beanstalk. It feels like, and so maybe it is uh, an opportunity to start uh, different conversations. But thus far, there hasn't seemed to be that much interest in uh, what you're discussing from other protocols. But uh, maybe the time is uh, the time is now. So. Uh, if you have any thoughts, uh, definitely happy to chat uh, later about this.
5: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't want to take up too much of the time here, but it just—it just feels like that's a natural progression. Um, anyway, I'll—I'll I'll hop off.
1: We could do this all day. This is awesome. And feel free to hang out up here too. There's no reason to hop down.
5: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and kid in kid courts, I'll say two things. First of all, you know this this forum is built for really good questions and discussion. So. Never, you know, no need to apologize for that. The other thing I'll say quickly is big shout out and thank you for the great Twitter thread about being recently too.
5: Oh yeah. I'm glad you read it. Hope people yep. like it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a rel- lot of really good thoughts, a lot of really good traction on that platform. So big thanks there. And yeah, feel free to hang
2: out up here or whatever you like. Yeah. Cheers. I'll, I'll, I'll hop down. But uh, thank you guys
0: all right next question on the list is from blc and uh the heart of his question is when NFT spring collection i'll actually take that um so we got a lot on JDub's plate right now he's working like a mad bean i was gonna say like a mad man but he's a mad bean um that is on the list and so we are uh, we're considering that now and, and thinking about what the timing might be and um we're gonna try to make it happen by golly so all right Next. So, um, Austin writes, what what would be the trade-offs of longer or shorter seasons? And he quotes the roadmap a little bit. Um,
3: uh, I I won't quote the roadmap, but I'll throw the question. So, it's kind of a theoretical question, uh,
1: which has no answer per se. Or certainly is much better answered with market data. And the market data on like the optimal season time in the grand scheme of things is going to change dramatically as bean stock scales and settles down and stabilizes. And so ultimately what the season time should be, it you know, in the grand scheme of things is unclear. Um to start with why why an hour? Um, just from a, a UX perspective, uh, it really felt like, uh, you know, having kind of experienced ESD and DSD, that, uh, the longer epics, like three times a day, it was just too long and there was too much anticipation, uh, leading up to it. And that was, it was very clearly inefficient. And from a user experience perspective, it felt awkward. Um, and then DSD was faster than ESD. And uh, we thought about 30 minutes, but it felt like 30 minutes was a little bit too fast. And particularly given that the market certainly wasn't that efficient when it launched and still isn't particularly efficient, although in the field it has started to be. um, You know, it it seemed like an hour was kind of the sweet spot, but it was much more art than science in the grand scheme of things to date, um, where it originally came from. Now, to think about when would be an appropriate time to change it, uh, you know, we're nowhere close to that in our opinion, and there's no necessarily reason to change it. Um, Now, with regards to the specific question Austin
2: asked, uh, hold on, I'm trying to find the question.
0: About manipulation.
1: Yeah. Well, it was, no, that was a different question, I believe. Oh, okay. Okay. the, the trade-offs of a longer or shorter season. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, so a shorter season allows Beanstalk to respond to the Delta a little bit faster. But on the other hand, it doesn't allow the market as much time to settle. And particularly given that most of the interactions with Beanstalk are still not automated again, with like some of the exception being in the field, it seems, um, in the sunrise function call. Um, you know, don't really think that it makes sense to have things speed up. If the system became like truly autonomous, there's an argument to be made to like, if everything's being done by robots, you can increase the time. But also if you increase the time, there's an increase in cost. And one of the things that we did take into account was the sunrise cost of at least around $100. And so that is $2,400 a day minimum that the system is paying just to maintain itself. And so, in the grand scheme of things, while well, twenty-four hundred dollars a day, it's pretty minimal upkeep cost for like a, a a whole bank or a whole monetary system. Uh, it, it it is a tax on the system, and the the more you increase the sunrises, the more you increase the that tax on the system. Uh, so that was something we also wanted to minimize, particularly when the system was younger. Um, and you know, frankly, when there was so many like sunrises being won by just like straight robots that would then dump all the beans when there was very little liquidity. It was one of those things where it was like, maybe we were too aggressive and the season was too too short. Um, So the, the argument for a longer season is that it's cheaper for the system and that it does allow for more time for the market to settle. Although an hour is enough time for people to take action usually. So that's why we felt like an hour was also long enough. Um, a little bit of a hodgepodge answer there, but hopefully that was thorough.
0: <laughs> and I was a little bit ahead of myself. So Austin's question about manipulation is actually a little bit lower. Um, I want to touch on that just quickly. Is, is is that that season length does that expose the protocol to any type of
3: manipulation in particular? Uh, nothing like immediate comes to mind. If you had like.
1: A one block season, the shorter the, the seasons in, in, in practice, the cheaper the manipulation cost. Because if beanstalk is using some sort of time weighted average, uh, to figure out the delta in the pool, if you want to manipulate the bean mint, uh, the shorter the, the shorter the season, the cheaper the price to actually manipulate the pool. So one thing that might make sense to go hand-in-hand hand with making, the season, let's say, the seasons went down to 30 minutes, you would probably want to introduce some sort of coefficient on the Delta B calculation. Because if you have a Delta B, uh this may not be the case, ultimately. It would require some real modeling and thought to, to decide. But if you're going to start minting based on Delta B uh, more frequently, you don't necessarily want to mint the same uh, ratio based on Delta B, per se. And so an hour really was, in a more art than science way, like the healthy middle ground, where it felt like it was sufficiently manipulation resistant, the cost to impact the TWAP was pretty significant uh, over the course of an hour. And so it's like, if you're going to buy and, and, or, or sell and affect the price for an hour, that can, you know,
3: that at some point an hour is real price discovery. Right. Okay, and so up on stage we've got Chulu, I'm, I have another name I'm going to pronounce wrong, but go ahead. Do you have a question? Hi, hi. hi. sorry.
6: No, okay. I, I ended up adding the question into the chat. All right. But feel free to verbalize it. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to make a comment that if you were interested in trying to use um, leverage to speed up growth of bean, then one possibility could be AP wine because then there wouldn't be liquidation risk. And that's a really nice thing when you consider sort of what happened with uh, own price action from last October until basically now. Um, but the downside is I think that the BEAN protocol would need to supply liquidity for uh, a liquidity pool of future yield tokens versus BEAN. But I'm I'm guessing that would be pretty simple to do
3: if that was something you wanted to do. Where did you post this? I'm looking to. Did you post this in the class discussion? Sure. Yes. Oh, no, sorry. It's in general. Can you explain that a little more, what we would have
4: to create a pool against?
6: Uh, Yeah. So, the the general model they use to have it work is you deposit sort of principal tokens, say Bean or Bean Pods, and in exchange for that, they give you a representative token for what would be future yield. So, with the Bean model, the the easiest way to make it work might be to use uh, Bean Pods from the marketplace because in, in a way those have anticipated future yield, which is sort of the beans when it arrives at harvest. And then, so you would say, turn in the bean pods as you're waiting for them to be, for the, the field to move up, the market line to move up until they're harvestable, and you might get paid out beans at a lower rate earlier on. And so that would lead to speculation of people Borrowing against future yield to buy more beans, to mint more bean pods, etc.
3: So how would this compare to like a fiat DAO scenario? I
6: actually wouldn't be able to answer, answer that question because I, I don't know how that works. Sorry, and
0: that was actually kind of for Publis. And Publis, I'm sorry, I cut you off. I, I heard you start to talk just as I did. Go ahead.
7: Yeah,
2: I mean, quite frankly, Rex, you know, we need to do some more research and reading up on it to understand
4: a little bit more about this AB1. Is that what it's called? Well, you know, so
3: appreciate you bringing it up, Cthulhu, and you know, we'll do some due diligence on it.
6: Thank you. Have a great day.
3: Thank you. And uh, Publius, thank you for pronouncing that correctly. That's Cthulhu is like a sea monster from science fiction, right? Lots of Lovecraft. Uh, thank you. Also. Lovecraftian.
0: That's, that's the word I was looking for. Lovecraftian. Okay. And I've never actually heard that word pronounced.
3: So thank you both. All right. So next
0: on the list, actually, Cthulhu, do you have anything else you want to cover, cover while you're up here?
6: No, that was it. I'll step down now. Thank you so much.
3: No problem at all. Thanks for your question or your suggestion, I should say. Okay, next on the list, we've got Harry Smith. Um, knows this question has been asked a lot. Uh, but now Harry, you want to come up here and ask us? Yeah, get on up here, if, Harry. Just for the meme. No pressure. All right, he says he can't. So you want to ask us the
2: question, Rex? <laughs>
0: So Harry's get it. So, okay. Yes, I absolutely will. So Harry knows the question has been asked a lot now, uh, but now the omnishot is complete. When is ge- When generalized minting and generalized convert?
3: You, you want to take this list, or should I? Happy to. Um, you know, you compare
4: where Beanstalk is to a week ago, You know, before the audit was released, before BIP 14 and 15 were proposed, you know, we were in a much worse state and, you know, convert and generalized minting was a lot farther away. Now that, you know, a week later we have the audit finished, we have BIP 14, 15 out, and we'll hopefully have BIP 16 up by the end of the night. The next thing, you know, that is planned to come out is generalized minting and convert you know, most of that functionality is done and, you know, hopefully we'll just be able to get, you know, just wrap up the testing and, but, you know, these things, you know, it's a lot of testing that needs to be done, but, you know, know that it is the next focus and, you know, who knows how long it can take because it's it's a lot of work that needs to go into it, but, you know, we're working our best
2: and, you know, hopefully soon.
1: So a non-answer from Publius, um, you know, would would just uh, also comment. And this is maybe a separate note, not about the due date. Although hopefully this is on the order of weeks. Um, you know, to answer you specifically, you know, Harry, it's like it's not going to be one week, but you know, a couple weeks, three, four weeks. Uh, you know, the other thing to comment is the more we've been thinking about it, convert and the potential convert functionality within the silo. Is likely to be broken up, uh, into, uh, into a couple of different converts. Uh, and one of the reasons is there's so many different types of converts we ultimately want to facilitate within the silo such that, you know, things can be pretty frictionless and efficient. Um, but we also don't want to hold up rolling out generalized minting and generalized convert, uh, or the first version of it, you know, more than it needs to be and so the thought is the first version of convert will be what you can currently do uh for the uniswap pool there's the you know what we would refer to as the traditional convert which was live when beanstalk launched where you could take additional ethereum and take deposited beans and then convert your deposited beans into deposited lp with uh adding ethereum uh that's gonna be part of the initial generalization, hopefully. And then secondly, the gen the convert that's introduced by BIP seven, that will also be live whenever minting and convert goes live, where you'll be able to convert your deposited beans when the price is too high into deposited three-curve and vice versa, convert deposited three-curve to deposited beans when the price is too low. However, going from like pool to pool in an efficient way. That's, you know, it's just to do those types of different converts, uh, it's going to require more development work. And so we're thinking that in order to expedite getting minting and convert live in the way that we've been discussing it, we, we, we at least, you know, we're,
3: we're probably going to break it up into multiple BIPs. Great stuff candidly guys there's a lot of like work that just needs to get done
1: so we're very excited for the opportunity to do it but the product that we're trying to build is something that a doesn't really exist at all in any capacity and b we really hate adding any sort of fees or frictions or any inefficiencies and so we're hesitant to roll out like crap um or suboptimal even just suboptimal stuff and so hoping that um you know, hoping that that taking the time to do the do it right and get it right, and as Pupulus was kind of reflecting, like making sure that we test the shit out of it. Um, you know, that's that's the way we're planning on doing stuff. And uh, at this point, there is a lot of value in Beanstalk and liquidity in Beanstalk and uh, money that people have in Beanstalk, and so uh, it's not where things were, you know, six seven months ago, where it's like we're pushing code. Uh, and there's not that much money in the system, uh, and, and the system's unaudited, at this point, the, the code is audited, or a lot of it is audited. And so anytime we push new code, we, we really want to make sure that we're being incredibly careful, and uh, that goes with all bits uh, that are being worked on. And we're very fortunate to now have a pretty cool, diverse back end team that's working on a wide variety of different upgrades to... The bean farm and transferable and semi-fungible deposits and upgrades to the marketplace. Um, but we got to make sure that all of this is done, uh, to, to a really high quality standard. And, uh, that's why things are not moving, uh, perhaps as fast as people would hope, but we promise you that they're moving as fast as they can. And, you know, this is, can you, this is, this is really, a – we recognize how, how,
3: you know, how, how important it is that we get this right. And so that's our focus. I feel like there's a, some saying in either business or in engineering that, you know, make your processes work as fast as possible, but no faster. So on that same note, um, so Harry's got another question.
1: Awesome. Um, just uh, sorry to interrupt you, Rex. No, go well, okay. ahead. I to shout out uh, Manny, who joined the chat. Uh, Manny was uh, chatting about being on Twitter, and we, we kind of reached out to them, and there's going to be a debate hopefully held uh, with Manny in the not-too-distant ah. future. So love having high-quality discourse and uh, welcome them to the class. that they, uh, They're new to the Discord. So just shout out Manny that's
3: awesome. I saw some of that back and forth. That's fantastic. All right. so Harry had that a uh, follow
0: up about Omnisha. so basically now that you know the initial audit's done, uh we've got the retainer in place um what what's Omnisha's
3: scope moving forward? yeah, that's a great question um w- you know, there, there
2: was,
1: so basically the 250K, uh, that was the second BIP to cover mission was funded. Uh, 50K of that was allocated towards completing the first audit because the scope of it was extended. Um, that's good, Harry. You do only ask good questions. We appreciate that. Um, uh, that's fun stuff. So anyways, um, so there's 200K left, uh, in that budget now now that the initial initial audit is done uh we're inclined to basically ask them for a quote to audit everything through bit 16 let's call it and maybe even some of the other uh code that's being tested but not ready for production per se and see what they quote us on that um you know and when they can get that done um As you guys can probably tell, the past month or so has really been dedicated towards like getting this initial omniscient audit out the door. Um, and so we do want to be cognizant of like, there's, there's definitely a balance between continuing to just spend all of our time on audits and they will need to just go into their cave and do an audit of the new code as well. Um, but the point is trail of bits is scheduled for june and with trail of bits they're a little bit they conduct things a little bit differently and we had to book time with them like six months in advance and the two weeks that they're initially auditing we booked four weeks of uh two engineers so eight engineer weeks um but the first two weeks which is what the initial audit is scheduled for um we're really going to be that's going to be our main focus for those two weeks like if they need anything or have any questions um really trying to just focus on that for the two weeks and then maybe a week after that. And so recognizing that, the question is, well, you know, if Omnisha sends us back a report uh in mid-May and now it's we're going to spend time f- finishing the Omnisha audit, then the Trail of Pits audit, we're thinking maybe it makes sense given it's already April to just ask Omnisha on their timing and for a quote and then reevaluate from there. So don't really have a, a plan per se, but... Um that now that that's done, that's kind of top of mind. And if anything, we're kind of waiting internally to get BIP 16 out and then figure out what what other code would we ask them to audit now uh, to give us a quote um, to continue the audit. Uh, you know, it's uh it's a little bit unclear, but we just want to make sure that we're you know
2: we're
3: optimizing on a lot of different fronts here, so we want to make sure we're doing the right thing. Perfect. And that kind of hits just the, the
0: tail end of Harry's question about other auditors. I was going to ask you to give an update on Trail Bits. That's perfect. June timeline.
1: And we'll just comment, you know, not that we feel like audits are like the most valuable thing in the world as much as having the code out in the wild. Although Phil, Omnisha did add a ton of value. Um, at some point, it's like, how many audits do you need or how many auditors do you need? Who knows? Uh, but very much feel like now that being stuck is a little bit bigger and more legitimate, you know, this is a good time to just issue another call out if there are other high-quality audit firms that people have connections to. Because if we don't have connections, we've realized it's literally impossible to get an audit scheduled at all. Um So if people could help facilitate uh, connections with high-quality auditors, at this point, that might be a good time to revisit it. We haven't done that in, like, six months since we set up the initial two audits. So yeah, that may be a good time to revisit more auditors. But frankly, Trail of Bits is like world class, and we're very excited to have them audit the code in about two months' time.
0: I remember when the uh, the Trail of Bits fundraiser was first proposed. First of all, I remember that it was funded in less than five minutes. Um, the other thing I remember is, I, you know, I, I I'm still relatively new to defi and i thought oh i wonder who these you know who these folks are and i did some reading on, on trail bits and they they do like auto codes for like darpa and I thought, that's that's pretty damn impressive so um they
1: literally said half of all of their engineers just work on the government stuff yeah <laughs> that's that's they're, they're real they're really yeah. real so that's yeah. cool and not to say omnisha is not real and they actually have a lot of expertise on the diamonds yep. which was also very valuable but trail of bits is like you know they're a world-class firm so we're we feel very lucky that they're going to be auditing beanstalk soon yeah couldn't agree more and and,
0: and agree not omnisha too all right scrolling down man ah, there's Tons of great stuff pouring in. Um so so actually, so now I can say that Bean Profit was my friend who is asking what A means. So we can we can both um kind of hide uh, each other's you, outed
2: be- you added bean profit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's my bean. All right. Um IPO. Um asking about a timeline for the new website.
2: So
1: it depends how you define new website. So over the past week or so, there's been a lot of internal discussion within Pinstock Farms on uh, the brand and the visual identity of the site and whether to kind of move in the direction of the new logo and the purple or whether to stay with the green and the current logo. And uh, I think ultimately the, the decision was made uh, kind of in consensus to just take a step back on the like full rebrand per se but at the same time start to push more modular uh, or maybe not modular but uh shorter smaller updates to the current website while rethinking a little bit that larger brand and the real question that it seems like uh maybe is D's here uh or is jellybean here
0: literally just, just looking for both of them to
1: pop up to just chat a little bit about this because yeah. they're not here at the moment i don't see um, either <laughs> You know, there's a lot of open questions as to, you know, it seems like Beanstalk is at a place where it's attracting enough of a DeFi native audience where it will hopefully be able to deleverage and scale um, to the point where it, it has deleveraged pretty significantly. But if we if we take a big step back and think about what Beanstalk is trying to become, uh, an issuer of money. Uh, there is a lot of, and it's very fair feedback that this farming theme and the whole vibe is a little bit too childish and, uh, not serious. And it will be a turn off to, uh, larger, more institutional investors and potentially not just institutional investors, but, you know, what we really care about the, the farmers, uh, the, the local farmers who are like, you know, is this something they can trust? And so thinking about how do we scale this, not just to like, you know, 10,000 or 50,000 DeFi users who, who, Just want yield and don't really care about whether things look professional or not as much um whether in the long term it makes sense to
2: have a more official or it's it's very
1: unclear what to do basically but that's that's the current problem And, and one thing that's nice to report is that there seems to be a really high degree of focus and high quality discourse happening and things are certainly moving in the right direction at the moment but uh, no real sense on the timeline of the new website. I think originally the plan was to push something this month, but that's certainly been like totally next. And now the focus is going to be more on short-term updates to the website to just improve UX uh, in lots of different places.
0: And I'll, I'll tag on. First of all, I will tag on by saying, or giving a huge shout out to the design team and the marketing team. Um, for the amount of work and discussion and honest feedback and really good uh, input that's happened over the last few weeks I've been a part of quite a few of these discussions as has Publius and um, there's just a lot of smart people wrestling with what we want what we want this organization to look like from an outward facing standpoint you know we spend so much time thinking about and working on the protocol and the underlying technical components, you know, as we talk about what our outward face should be, um, there's, there's been a lot of really good discussion, a lot of honest conversation. And, and yeah, I want to give a lot of credit out to, to, to D's, um, to TB, um, to, you know, the other folks inside of both of those organizations, both the design team, the marketing team want to give a, give a big shout out to J-Dubs on and my anymore. team. And, yeah.
1: And in fact, um, I think Jelly Bean and Guava are both here. Um if oh, yeah. if you wanted to hop up, yeah, uh, either of you and just chat. Yep. We just invited you up a little bit about uh some of the the thoughts on the brand and where you guys are at and why some of the decision to maybe not push anything new uh this month has been made and uh reconfi- readjust a little bit. Um no pressure to come up here
3: but if you want the you know the floor is yours as well that'd be great yep either or both hey everyone Uh,
8: i think jellybean i think you have a pretty pretty good consensus about all this i'll i'll chime in uh once once you get started unless you want me to start too then then i'll be glad to
9: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can start. Uh, So, I think as uh, we mentioned earlier, uh, we recognized the need to kind of uh, take a step back and really examine whether we needed to move forward with um, a rebrand. Um, And so, as a result of some conversations, we decided to break uh, the work out into two work streams. So, um, current website improvements. And then um, doing a little bit more work on the brand strategy. And um, uh, we had some really good conversations around, um, you know, like, so we're, uh, you know, what are the business goals? Like, what, where is Beanstalk right now? And we were, we started the rebrand project based on the hypothesis that a new brand will help us achieve our business goals of growth and, you know, more awareness and uh, more conversion. Um, but we uh, are really trying to kind of dig into that a little bit more. Um, like, are we actually aligned on the business goals of Beanstalk right now? Um, does our current brand actually uh, help us achieve our business goals as it is? Um, and, you know, who who is Beanstalk's target audience? Um, and i think we kind of figured out that it's a little bit different from who the early adopters are um eventually when we do get uh, you know we uh grow up bean uh we kind of um realize that the target audience might be a little bit different so we're trying to figure that um all of that out a little bit right now um we we're actually doing um some user research, uh, we're going to launch a survey and it's not completed yet because I do need to get some feedback from a, a couple of folks on what that survey, uh, what questions that has. Um, but keep an eye out on, um, I, I'm not really sure like what forum would actually be the best to kind of, uh, post a link, um, to that. But anyway, uh, keep an eye out for um, a survey link i I would love to get your thoughts on um, your perception of our brand and whether that is uh, accurately reflecting what we want um, uh, what message we want to to convey um but yeah that's coming soon um just keep an eye out for that for, um, tonight or either um either tomorrow tomorrow or tonight um and then yeah. Happy to take any questions. Guava, do you have anything to add to that?
8: I mean, uh, yeah, j- just to like, reiterate, it's just um, we just uh, really took a step back to re um, to kind of re- rekindle what we really want to accomplish with this new brand, who the target audience is. And it's a lot of push and pulls between what we, what we want to adjust, what we want to keep uh and everything so we are like internally um we are internally uh, uh discussing and voting constantly uh throughout this week <laughs> and um yeah that that's pretty much it uh on design side yeah we took a step back i've been working a lot with tb uh on the marketing side uh where i I've been trying to make a more consistent effort in, in the in the designs so that it actually does form like um uh, a more consistent brand and that's definitely one of the core values that i'm trying to push uh, in the future but yeah uh, pretty much what jelly said um look out for the survey coming up and the vote um and of course if you guys have any questions about design or if you guys really are interested or have any ideas like please um, DM me, DM Jelly. You know, we 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 would love to um we'd love to hear some input from all of you guys. And Jelly and Guava, just to follow up, I think that when
0: when that survey is ready, we uh, I'm pretty sure we can either put an announcement up or or something something pretty widespread so that we can get as much as much participation as possible. Yep, for sure. Perfect. That's and thank, perfect. Yeah, thank you both. Um, yeah more 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 shout outs um, appreciate your work. appreciate you um, running some of the meetings that we've had over the last handful of days that you know at times are i wouldn't say contentious but you know full of uh, a lot of folks that really care about making things work right and um, you know filled with a lot of really good robust discussions. So always appreciate appreciate the work from both
10: of you A quick note um, since we have a lot of great people in the audience right now, I just made a quick little survey channel, uh, in the discord under general, uh, and I'll drop a link in the, in the chat here in case anyone's interested in doing that survey. It might be a good place that we can, um, jelly. Do you think that's a good idea?
9: Yeah, I think that's great. Thank you.
3: Perfect. Awesome. All right. Very cool. All right, Jelly and Dumpling, you're more than welcome to stay. Don't feel obligated, though. Yay. So uh, (laughs) I want to be cognizant of time. We are 57 minutes.
0: Um, Obviously, tons of great discussion. Um, I guess what we'll say, actually... Publius, I'll I'll leave it up to you. I've, and I've, there's no there's a, no
1: reason to keep it short. I mean, if there's questions yeah. and there's stuff and people want to hang out, we we can go all night.
0: All right, cool. So uh, the next question on the list is from Austin, who offered to come up. So Austin, I'll give you the floor.
11: Hey team, um, I had a question: a generalized bean farm question. Um, so my understanding of the future generalized bean farm uh, is a few things. It'll be more tax efficient in theory. Uh, more gas-efficient and eventually be the interface through which we interact with the rest of DeFi. And I had a couple of specific questions about the gas-efficiency part. So, in a world where I swap ETH for bean outside of beanstalk versus swapping my bean farm-wrapped ETH for bean farm-wrapped bean on the bean farm, is one of those actually more gas-efficient than the other? That That's my first question.
3: just repeat the end of that question? Sorry, I lost you for a sec, Austin.
11: Sorry. Um, so the, que- the first question is, is the simple swapping of ETH to bean more gas-efficient when done within the generalized bean farm, or is it the same uh, like computation-wise?
3: You want to comment on this Publius? so you unmute for a sec all right we'll take add some my difficulties um, but the question was to which one
4: is going to be cheaper likely in this various spe- you know in this specific case a straight to uniswap text swap will be cheaper on average but there are a couple gas considerations that, you know, could be, you know, special cases that would actually lead it to be cheaper through the bean farm. Um, but where in, you know, direct swaps, the, the biggest gas efficiency comes is not from having to call an approved transaction. In the case you just mentioned, if you were to trade, you know, ETH or, you know, wrapped ETH to, to beans through Uniswap, you would have to approve Uniswap to trade your wrapped ETH. If you did the trade directly from ETH, you'd have to the transferring ETH versus transferring ERC twenty comes with it, with an added gas cost as well. So you'd actually have to you know transfer that ETH to the Uniswap contract, which would then send it to the Weeth contract and give you Weeth, which is an added gas cost that comes with swapping from ETH. So kind of in both cases with the generalized bean farm, you would be swapping trading from you know, wrapped ETH on the farm to to beans wrapped on the farm, which would require no approval and there would be no transfers of ETH. So, you know, there's a chance that it's cheaper. Also, if Beanstalk already holds both wrapped beans and wrapped ETH, then it could potentially be cheaper if you don't hold beans as changing a zero in solidity storage to a non-zero value is... About ten times more expensive than changing a non-zero value to a non-zero value.
11: Okay, interesting. So, at at minimum, at least the, the approval step is skipped. That that makes sense. Um, and so, I guess yeah. then just to, go ahead.
7: Just said yeah.
11: Oh, okay, sorry. And, I know you know, kind of saying. the
4: gas efficiency also depends largely on the type of transaction that's occurring. So, right, it's so hard to say. But go ahead.
11: I was just going to ask, would you then say like the main value prop in terms of gas efficiency of the bean farm is the kind of composing transactions together, like the example you mentioned in the roadmap is, you know, depositing into a liquidy trove, minting LUSD against the ETH, and then trading that LUSD into beans, doing something with it, etc., all in one transaction, more so than the maybe marginal gas cost of exchanging ETH for bean on the bean farm versus not?
4: Definitely. Um, Because, you know, in the case you just mentioned specifically, right, to do it without the generalized bean farm, you would have to first send one transaction to the liquidity trove to create the trove in LUSD. Then you would have to make sure that LUSD is approved for trade
7: in the bean LUSD pool on curve. Then you would have to
4: trade in the pool, and then you would have to make sure bean is approved For use within Beanstalk, and then you would have to call the deposit transaction. So you know, in that case, it would be up to five transactions, at least three. And you know, here we're able to do it in one transaction, no approval necessary. And you know, each added cost to the chain is also more gas, you know, expensive gas-wise. There's a fixed twenty-one thousand, you know, gas cost with any transaction. Um, So, you know, by grouping transactions, you know, gas efficiency and time efficiency by not having to sit through five transactions, you
3: know, going through.
11: Makes sense. That's super helpful and very
3: exciting. Appreciate it. All right, Austin. Thank you for hopping up on stage. I always appreciate that.
0: Okay. So next, um, IPO has a follow-up on the audit. looks like things were caught and managed very well. Um, so if we, were to, if we were to talk about the outcomes of the audit um, and, and try to explain them to folks that don't have a lot of knowledge about the protocol, IPO says, explain these to our moms or other potential investors. How do we explain the audit outcomes of fixes?
1: Well, the mom answer is we got straight A's on our report card. Um, you know if if you'd like a more sophisticated answer, you know I'm sure we can we can dive into some of the the results and implications, but the mom answer is you know everything everything we got perfect uh, marks effective in the grand scheme of things. Didn't do great on the midterm. Uh, you know, didn't it wasn't like everything was perfect when we deployed, but in the final report card they
3: gave us, uh, you know, uh, basically perfect marks. Love it. All right. Beam profit admitting he's my friend. That's frankly, I appreciate that. Um Deckers
0: dropping some. Some information about stable swap, just fantastic. Encourage everybody to go and read that. I will check that out later. And yes, being profit, I completely agree. Why read when you can have Publius explain it? Uh, let's see, Dumpling giving the shout out to Kid Quartz. Do that again. Um, oh, Sweet Red has Sweet Red called out EIN, which I. I generally appreciate it actually um i had the trivia question early on i'm not seeing not seeing the answer the real folk blues so i'm going to throw the uh, swag to sweet red for the iron call out um all right so moving down a little bit more so we've got pull 252525 um so they write if I invest in the Bean Pool or the Bean Three Curve Pool, I'll be paid in stock and seeds. These tokens can't be swapped
3: currently for Bean. How could I cash out eventually? So your stock entitles you to
1: Bean seniorage. Uh, Any time you receive seniorage, that seniorage is yours forever. Those beans are yours, and so even though uh, you have to forfeit your stock and seeds. Uh, when you withdraw your beans from the silo or your LP tokens from the silo, any bean seniorage is yours. So the, the, the return is in the form of bean seniorage. Now the hope is to make stock liquid in the not too distant future. And at that point, you would potentially be able to sell your stock into beans and then sell those beans into other assets if you wanted to without necessarily
3: withdrawing your assets from the silo. But, uh, those would be the two ways. Perfect. And as usual, I see a lot of helpful stuff that came up
0: after poll asked his questions, so appreciate that from the crowd as well. Mr. Manifold hitting up Kid Quartz around looping. Good stuff there. Harry Smith for the invite up to Kid Quartz. I do love how we've like coined the term slapping. I, I Every time I read that term, it always makes you laugh. So, um, looking at the next question. So, man, y'all got some crazy Discord names. Zero G's. Thank you for writing it in the parentheses afterwards because I would have royally messed that up. Um, Zero G's writes maybe having a, le- a lending silo where users deposit into it and it gets redeployed into a RARI pool or something. Um, See. Okay, that's a this so this is a, a suggestion to I think it may be actually looping back on
3: um on the kid quartz discussion from earlier when we were talking about um leverage. So it's certainly possible and
1: you know, at some point, a lending market will make sense for bean stock. But if we just think about, in the short term, the things to prioritize, um, over the past couple of weeks, the liquidity as a percentage of the bean supply has continued to grow dramatically. And so the hope is that all of the deposited beans in the silo are ultimately going to be providing liquidity. And then at that point, the real thing that's interesting is being able to add all those LP tokens to some sort of pool, for example, like a Rari Fuse pool. And then having any of those assets borrowable again.
3: Um, But that, you know, that's things that are a little bit further down the road potentially. Now, we're also very interested in having other people add beans to their... Rari fuse pools, but that that won't necessarily be uh, easily easily integ- integrable with the silo at the moment. Perfect and zero Gs. Thanks for the follow up. The only thing that I hate more than murdering someone's name is murdering their question. So I'm glad that I got it right. Okay. So, scrolling down a little bit
0: more. um, So, next question appears to be from Canadian Bennett, one of our favorites. Um, So, Canadian Bennett writes, this current cycle looks different. If you look at the last growth cycle, it really only lasted 11 days and nearly doubled the supply. Well, this current cycle is much more gradual growth. Is this more gradual growth happening for any particular reason? And in your opinion, is this better, worse, or neutral?
1: Bip seven it's all about it's all about bip seven um it's very hard to understate how having the beans that are in the silo available as supply has had an effect on limiting the excess growth when there is excess demand for beans and so uh bip seven was not live during the previous growth cycles and the effects of having uh you know All of these beans, and if you look at the deposited beans chart in the silo, it's like just craziness, honestly. Um, The amount of beans that are deposited in the silo just continue to go down and down and down, and uh, we'll drop a photo in the class discussion in just a sec. And in short, um, that has facilitated, basically, um, that has facilitated the the growth of the bean supply, the growth of the liquidity with less upside volatility. And uh, that's much more sustainable in the grand scheme of things. Because the hope is that uh, if there is ever periods of time where there's excess supply for beans in the coming weeks and months, which at some point there certainly will be, a lot of this liquidity will then be converted back to deposited
3: beans. And so there's this dampening effect on both sides of the peg. And agree more. And when I, you know, it makes me think, um, I should go back and take a look at, it. so,
0: um, so January 29th or 30th, right at the end of January is when, when the protocol really started to hit peg really, really consistently. And I've always wanted to go back when I think of it momentarily and look at the, um, where, when BIP7, when BIP7 went into effect versus that date, I don't know how
3: close they were, but I think they're, they're relatively close.
1: Think of seven was December
3: 14th. Yep. Sounds about right. Okay. Looking down. Lots of good banter. Dumpling. These questions are slapping. Okay. Okay. Alex.
0: Alex. Love it. Um, so Alex, Alex asks a question that we talk about a lot. What is this convert? y'all are talking about. I have a feeling there may be a few, a few pieces to this answer.
3: So, convert uh,
2: is a beanstalk term that refers to currently two different things. Um,
1: one is the, both refer to the ability to convert beans and LP tokens back and forth within the silo. Um, there's two different types of converts at the moment. One is where you take deposited beans and you convert them into deposited LP by adding additional Ethereum, Uh, and it's LP tokens for the bean ETH pool. When the convert is generalized, you'll be able to do it for other pools that are in the silo. But you you take your deposited beans, you match it with ETH, and now you have deposited LP. The second type of convert, which was the one introduced by BIP7, is the ability to take your deposited beans and convert them into deposited LP when the price is above one without adding additional Ethereum. And therefore it's effectively selling half of those beans into Ethereum and then adding those uh, LP tokens to the to, you know. Well, there's adding liquidity to the pool, and then those LP tokens are in the silo. And so those are the two different converts that are currently available. And that's what's being discussed. Now uh, hand in hand with the second convert is, you know, the flip. You can't. You, you, it's not just that you can convert deposited beans into deposited LP tokens. You can do the the reverse when the
3: price is too low and convert deposited LP tokens back to deposited beans. Arab opportunities on both sides of the peg. Love it. all right looking again at lots of fantastic banter in the chat harris smith director of Slaps. it's like being intern senior vice president of
0: vibes all right let's see okay man think dropping in as always with a really good question
3: try to do justice here so i'm just going to try to read through it um Actually, yeah. Sink? Read the question. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. So, syncs. Syncs.
0: Um, reply to Cana- Canadian Bennett. We'll just read right down through it. So, sync writes. I've also been thinking about this in the context of generalized minting. Is the protocol actually maintaining peg better now because the three curve
3: pool, or because the three curve pool, is not being referenced yet for minting? We'll start there. But just read the whole question, I think. Okay. All right. I'll go right down through the rest of it. It's really one question. Okay.
0: Perfect. Okay. Does this enable arbitragers and liquidity providers to reconcile the variance in beans between the ETH and three-curve pools? And would it make sense to gradually add pools for consideration to the minting schedule as they're included in the silo and perhaps have a, a limit at some point on the number of
3: pools that are referenced? So, Syncubate, always appreciate your thoughtfulness. Um, the
1: protocol is probably, it's hard to say you know, definitively, but it's probably, if you define maintaining a better peg as the price being closer to a dollar, it's probably doing a worse job of maintaining peg. That's different than minting, that's different than the pot rate. Just talking about the price being at a dollar, uh, because, there's no converts available in the bean three curve pool. And so what's been happening over the past couple of weeks is the bean three curve pool is trading uh, above a dollar and the USD, uh, excuse me, the bean ETH Uniswap pool is constantly being converted uh, back to a dollar, uh, but um, then it's immediately arbitraged by MEV bots to effectively sell in curve and buy in Uniswap. and then. So there's this continuous or there has been this continuous excess in Uniswap where you have people converting, returning the price back to a dollar, but because of the excess in curve and the inability to convert against the curve pool as well, uh there just tends to be on average the price trading above a dollar. So if you were able to convert, you know, against both pools, it's it's easy to imagine that uh there there would be tighter peg maintenance on both pools. And then the the effect that would have on minting is unclear. Um, it would probably result in less minting over time, but then again, uh, you know, we'll really have to watch it play out in practice to get anything definitive because there's too many variables to model. Um, does this enable arbitragers and liquidity providers to reconcile the variance and deance? Yes. Um right now, uh you know, basically. So one thing to clarify, and this is related to your question about adding pools to the silo and the minting schedule, the two are really distinct, right? And any asset that's included in the in the silo doesn't need to be included in the minting schedule by any means. And in fact, what's included in the minting schedule, there really should be some sort of separation between church and state when it comes to the process by which pools are added to the whitelist for the silo and by pools are added to the, to the minting schedule. And the minting schedule is really where the Oracle comes from, right? And so any pool that we're minting against, being stock is effectively saying, we view this asset as a good price of a dollar in some capacity. And so, uh, don't think that there are too many assets on Ethereum that qualify for that. Um, and therefore the pools that would be eligible for a minting to be included in the minting schedule are highly limited in our opinion. Now, um, the, the, the question about gradually adding pools in general, definitely think gradual is the way to go, but I think we're going to see more pools being gradually added to the silo than more pools gradually being added to the minting schedule. Once we have three curve minting, you know, unlikely to, there's no immediate other minting pools that come to mind that we need off the top of our head. Now, as, as things evolve, everything can
3: change, obviously, but uh, that would be our, our analysis at the current moment. Appreciate that info. Oh, and uh, don't think I didn't notice the Thomas Jefferson Church and State drop there, too. All right. Man, just, again, lots of really good questions and
0: information in the chat. Bean intern, next. Um, so in his, in his uh, you know, th- thick Aussie accent, Bean intern asks, hey, is the amount of beans minted a TWOP of the liquidity, and is there an attack vector of
3: dumping in liquidity before a new season then pulling that liquidity? So, no. Beanstalk doesn't really
1: technically use a TWAP in the traditional sense. Uh, it really uses a time-weighted average delta B. And what that means is uh, Beanstalk takes an average of the time and liquidity, uh, excuse me, the liquidity-weighted uh, delta of beans, that need to be bought or sold in the Bean Uniswap Uniswap pool for the price to be a dollar over the course of the season. And so uh, the short answer is that makes it highly resistant to any sort of attack vector of changing the liquidity at the time that the sunrise function is called. And so both the price or really the Delta B and the liquidity is taken into effect over the course of the whole season. So the delta B calculation takes into effect, takes into account the liquidity, and therefore the, it's really like a time and liquidity weighted average delta B would be the way to think about it. But, um,
2: you know, it's very verbose.
0: <laughs> I think that hit it, though, and I'm trying to get inside of being an intern's mind, too.
3: It it seems like that's that was the heart of the question. All right, lots of again, really good banter. Um, yeah, when we go to generalized minting,
1: uh, the white paper is going to be updated to kind of introduce this time weighted average delta
3: B notion. Whereas right now it literally says time and liquidity weighted. But it'll probably honestly do time and liquidity weighted average delta. Wait, that. Okay, scrolling down through again, lots of great information and, and good conversation in the chat. Okay,
0: it looks like, I think our next, next question is from censored user, who writes, <coughs> excuse me, where does the APY rate come from
3: in the silo? Beans only versus new LP rates? Trying to understand their question. Yeah. Um, um, also curious, who censored you, user?
1: Um, that would be another question we have for you. Um, but t- they have another s- uh, related question. Where do the beans in the form of the interest come from? Which is, and I think it's related to where does the APY rate come from in the <laughs> silo. Um, so beans, the bean API is from newly minted beans. And beans are minted every time there's a time weighted average excess, excuse me, time weighted average shortage of beans in the pool over the previous season. Time and liquidity weighted average excess, shortage, Jeez Louise. A time and liquidity weighted average shortage of beans in the pool. And so anytime there's this... uh positive delta b as it's displayed on the website anytime you have an excess on average beans uh, 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 that need to be sold into the pool you need more beans sold bean stock mints new beans and those half of new beans that are minted are paid to pod holders paid to lenders and half go to stockholders in the silo and so the bean apy is calculated based on the beans that have been paid to silo members to stockholders over the previous Uh, 720 seasons, the past 30 days. And then the stock APY um, is reflective of the fact that you receive more stock from seeds when you deposit assets in the silo over time. And the LP APYs are higher than the bean
3: APYs because of the fact that you receive more stock over time. Because you receive more seeds. Perfect. And looking down through the bottom of the chat, censored user uh, writes,
0: first of all, Jack from Twitter censored them. Sorry to hear about that. Maybe Elon can get you uncensored. I don't know. we see how it goes. Um. And, oh, and yeah, censored user, you hit it. So displayed APY essentially tells us what has happened and is not necessarily a projection.
3: I would agree with that, Publius. And that, is, are we... that is a fact. Yep. Perfect. Okay. So
0: I'm going to scroll back up, make sure. The only
1: only thing just to add to clarify is it does take into effect the current liquidity. So uh, if right now the liquidity increased by 10%, uh, the APY would also increase by 10% because the liquidity is calculated based on the historical liquidity-weighted minting. And so, if there's an increase in liquidity, the APYs will increase to reflect that. And the reason for that is because uh, being stock mints based on uh, the liquidity. And so, you know, we we felt like it was uh, reasonable to display the fact that as the liquidity increases, uh, you know, even if uh, uh, last month there wasn't a high amount of liquidity, if this month there's significantly more liquidity that should be reflected in the APYs because it's likely that there's going to be significantly increased minting as a result
0: as well. At least we lost you there. Just the last like five seconds or so, you trailed off a little bit.
2: All right, well, regardless, I think we can move on. Apologies about that.
0: We're good. Okay.
2: Can you
1: hear us now?
0: Yes, perfectly. No worries at all. JDP six thirty. I see you there. Um, because you say you knew the answer is real folk blues. I'm going to have Farmer Dan send you swag, anyways. Um, let's see.
1: Wow, even participation trophies out, Rex. <laughs> what a community
0: leader. That's right. I'm just like I'm making I'm making promises
3: that Farmer Dan's going to have to keep later on. So can't beat it. Um. All right be an
0: intern as how can i put my hand up so i can only jump up without asking be an intern you're
1: you just have the approvals so you're just you you're allowed to come up here your, yeah
12: your discord permission so no hand raising for you
7: sir
12: hey that is right if i ask a question like this it's a bit, it's absolutely a bit oh, yeah,
3: definitely You're good to go being an intern whenever you're ready. Wait, sorry, hello? Yep, we can we can hear you now.
12: Okay, so basically, um I was I've been looking at uh Tracer DAO quite a lot recently and they have these like perpetual swap products where you can basically use everything as collateral to trade other assets. And yeah, I thought it could be a pretty cool, I don't know if anyone saw the Olympus integration, but I thought it could be a pretty cool implementation to look at in the future where basically you can provide beans as collateral uh, to then have exposure to any other asset of your choosing through these sort of synthetic pools. Thought it could be pretty cool. So you can have like a big pool of beans and then you can have a little like trading desk set up where you can like pick which other assets you want to have exposure to through these uh synthetic pools. And initially I thought maybe it could be through the silo, but then I realised there could be issues of like if your supply like if you're losing money, then it means you're sort of kind of withdrawing from the silo without the lockup period. And um but yeah, I thought it could be a pretty interesting idea to bring up and yeah, thought I'd bring it up on the call, see if people have opinions of it and thoughts. Yeah. And happy to answer questions if if I didn't explain myself very well.
3: Which
12: protocol is this? They're called Tracer. At the moment, they just do these perpetual pools, but they're about to launch like a a trustless way that you can launch your own own pools, which is what I think uh, could be of interest to Bean. I think it could be a little, like I don't want us to dive right into it, but I just thought I'd add it to the radar of things to be looking into. Very cool. Send it along and
3: obviously we'll take a look. Epic. Shout out to being an intern, um,
0: joining the team as part of the metaverse group, as well as helping out with some some biz dev. So great to have you, have you coming on. Also, I saw your comment about my PFP changes and you are right there with
3: your uh, username changes. So we're, we're one and the same with the, with the constant fluctuation.
12: Yeah, I've actually, I'm doing a really big um, rebrand soon, which everyone should be uh, excited for. And I'm going to like bestow the Bean intern persona upon someone else. <laughs> um, I think that it's, a bit, sad. it's a bit sad because I feel like uh, I feel pretty attached to it, honestly, <laughs> except I've got a very strong plan for having, especially at com- physical conferences and stuff, I'm going to go really hard on branding at that. And I think that it will end up being even better for for Beanstalk in the in the long run because I'll be able to shill, shill a bit harder without... I think sometimes people, if you like shill right away, people get turned off, but then you get invited to shill if you just kind of hang around and say like, yeah, I'm associated with these things. But yeah, I've got a really strong branding thing around stable coins <laughs> that I'm going to push and hopefully get... Yeah, invited to conferences and things like that and throw parties. But yeah, I'm very excited.
3: Senior Vice President of Vibes, Beanstalk Farms. That's what I'm here for. But yeah, thanks so much okay. for letting me jump up. Thank you. Okay. Man, we're still, we're Publius. You good? Yeah. We're we, we good to keep going? I mean, sure.
1: sure. There is nothing that could give us more joy in this world than chatting with farmers
2: all night. Excellent.
7: So,
1: uh, Perfect. The more questions you guys have, the
2: happier we are, honestly. Wonderful. Okay. So,
0: Bean Bankman Refried, one of my favorite names. Love that name. So, they ask, what are the no brainers in your opinion for whitelisting next, similar to LUSD? And then any updates on partnership discussions or pools you're considering
2: next? So, couple comments, and
1: this is gonna make us sound like a little bit of a snob. Don't think basically anything is a no brainer and don't like the word partnership. Um, but to answer you more substantively, being and Refried, um, definitely agree that LUSD is in the grand scheme of things uh very low risk and very high reward and a high leverage opportunity and then that way could be described as a no-brainer and we may have done that. Uh so that might have been what you're referring to, frankly. So apologies if that for making fun of you for quoting us there, uh, which is possible. Um, but in terms of other pools that are high leverage, uh I think that the bean four curve uh pool is is uh or the four pool, whatever you want to call it, is very interesting. Um as well as just like a bean frax or a bean UST pool. Uh One thing that would be noted is we do think that, you know, there is some bridge risk obviously associated with UST, uh, which would be new to bean stock uh, taking on some of that risk. But ultimately, uh one of the things we want to work on is a way to, and, and this has to do with the gauge system in the silo, like create a much more flexible, effectively a flexible system where a pool can be, uh, deprecated if there's a problem uh and so that will hopefully provide a little bit more resilience to bridge risk and other stuff and allow beanstalk to maybe take on a little bit more risk from other pools but if we take a little bit of a step back and think about where beanstalk is at um beanstalk has just started to deleverage ultimately and so when we think about risk reward uh there's The goal is to really take on as little additional risk as possible that could create any sort of black swan or tail risk event for Beanstalk in the short term that would get in the way of the currency leveraging. And so that's why LUSD is particularly attractive is because of the fact that it's Ethereum native and uh, has done a very strong job of maintaining uh, its peg or at least even trading above peg uh, consistently and therefore uh, seems pretty low risk in the grand scheme of things. And there's a lot of value out there potentially. And so if we think about over time, as start deleverages its ability to add, uh, other, other assets or other pools that are potentially or, or in reality a little bit more riskier, um, or in theory more risky, uh, or have more risk associated with them, might be the right way to say it. Uh, you know, there's a time for everything, but right now,
3: Definitely still inclined to be more risk-averse on the whitelisting side. Very fair. All right. Scrolling down, more good banter. Um, So next, Delteco
0: asks, does generalized minting only occur when all pools are above peg? Since generalized minting will result in more beans minted, will this also mean more soil supply in general to offset it?
3: So, the generalized minting will occur, uh, will basically function
1: as a sum across the different pools. So if there was a time and liquidity weighted average delta B, in the Uniswap pool of plus 10,000, and in the curve pool of minus 5,000, you would add them together, and only 5,000 beans would be minted. And if it was plus 10,000 and minus 10,000, no beans would be minted. And if it was plus 5,000 and minus 10,000, 5,000 soil would be minted. Now, uh, generalized minting will not necessarily result in more beans minted, but um, it will
2: likely result in, uh, you know,
1: It's very hard. Frankly, it's very hard to predict. Now, if you had more beans minted uh, based on the way that soil is minted currently, you know, if you if you mint 10 percent more beans over the next season, you're going to have 10 percent more soil. So uh, from that perspective, it is true that if there is more minting, you'll have more soil. But generally,
3: uh, unclear whether there will be more minting uh, of beans and soil after generalized minting is lost. At least until you run out of all the beans in the silo, we should say.
1: Like, if you run out of deposited beans in the silo to convert, um, right now there's still like 25 million beans in the silo. So about half the supply or a little more than that. Um, you know, if we were close to zero or in the low millions where there's no cell pressure at that point, you might expect there to be an increase in the, in the beans that are minted. Um, but that's more of a, less a function of the generalized minting, other than you could make the argument that we're more likely to get to that place where there's no or very little deposited beans in the silo because of generalized minting and convert, if that makes sense. But, um, that would
3: be where you'd start to potentially see an increase in the minting. Or at least more likely to see one. All right, Del Teco's Second, the second
0: part to their question is, also, is it possible to make silo deposits themselves liquid within the silo, i.e., I can exit my silo position by selling it to an, to an interested buyer, grown stock included? No yes, liquidity? sir. Yep, no liquidity yes, Just right
1: the, hope it, the hope is for there to be a liquid market for your silo deposits. Silo. Between the stickiness from stock Having to be forfeited and the ability to get a pretty good price because you'd assume there's a liquid market. Uh, at some point, hopefully,
3: there is one. Um, yeah, you'd, you'd expect that to be exactly the case. All right. So, Orbub um, has.
0: Uh, A question about why people don't uh, redeem pods for beans. Sounds like we're headed towards like talking about the the marketplace.
1: So pods that are in the pod line are not harvestable. They cannot be redeemed for beans yet. In the future, when the bean supply grows, those pods will, on a first-in-first-out basis, become harvestable. And uh, then you'll be able to redeem them for beans. Now, there is a farmer's market, uh, which is a secondary market for pods, where you can list uh, and try to sell your pods for beans, uh, but the pods in the pod line
3: cannot be redeemed for beans. So they're stuck in the pod line, whether or not you sell them or not. Hope that got your question, about Yeah, feel free to, if you're in the app, um, check out the marketplace could be what you're looking
0: for. All right, Austin calls out the new record. I think that is right, Austin. 50 folks in attendance, 51. We just broke the record again momentarily. Uh, Yeah, I think that is the highest we've ever had. So thanks everybody for coming. Always love it.
1: Yeah, Beanstalk A&T is, uh, it's rating is gonna go down for large class sizes. That's right. We need, Somebody
0: should tell the head of community that, like, we need A&T University T-shirts.
2: We need some TAs. We need to have breakout
1: sessions. <laughs> 50 people in class. It's like, who's, Seriously. Who's going who's gonna to come to a lecture like that? You know, That's this right. is supposed to be a small discussion. So, uh, you know, grateful everyone's comfortable getting up on stage in front of all the people and chatting.
0: We really appreciate it indeed and speaking of dumpling and J Dubs cool. are up on up on stage and you guys want to fight it I'm out just to see to change, first,
10: i'm just trying to change the ratio you know the faculty right. to you
13: know <laughs> right. um yeah actually i was just gonna make a quick plug so um i know we're not wrapped up but just so everyone in the audience knows next week we're gonna do uh an ama and it's gonna actually be the first one that we're doing kind of outside of the discord um and uh, obviously everyone here is excited we're going to drop an update for that for everyone but it would be kind of like the first metaverse ama metaverse uh beanstalk piece um so it should be again i'm just saying in tandem of what you're saying uh rex and publis hopefully we've got a pretty big turnout for that one as well next week
7: yeah
10: it's pretty sweet he was aww was showing it to me earlier today and it's it's sweet you can customize your, your what you're wearing and your everything and then you can walk around and it's everything you're it's everything you want.
0: As a dog, can I customize my flea collar? That's really what I want to know.
10: You could probably get that color going and like customize the hair, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't think you can actually be a dog yet. Yet. Yet.
0: On the internet. No one knows you're a dog. Now that's a great uh great plug, J Dubs and Dumpling, and I appreciate you mentioning that. So that's that's the Octomob AMA, right? J Dubs?
13: Yep. Yeah. So we're going to it's going to be a chance for us to to be introduced to them and thanks to being an intern for, for connecting all of us. Um, but also it's like because it's a traditional AMA like these classes normally are. I mean, we used to run an AMA like once everything four weeks or once every eight weeks, but um, it'll be kind of the same format. So definitely everyone, it's we're going to introduce ourselves to that community. But it'd be fantastic if we can have a big presence and have people show up and, and ask the same questions and have great conversation over there as well.
10: Indeed. Uh, J-Dubs, can you just say again when that was when that
13: is? Uh, yeah, so it'll be in a week from now, uh, 5.30 Pacific. Uh, we're going to drop uh, something like in, the, in all the threads and stuff like that, but it'll be, we'll drop the, it's in their gather town, which is called Octocave, uh, and we'll send, yeah, the link that you, you go to and the time and stuff like that. Uh, just make sure if you're going to attend that you go a little bit early so you can kind of set up your avatar, or pick your collar color, etc. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's it. That's next week, Tuesday at the 12th. Correct. Yep. Next week, Tuesday, the 12th at 530 Pacific, 830. Eastern.
3: Fantastic. All right. Oh, man. I'm trying to wiggle my way down through the rest of the class discussion. Oh, wow. Got censored user Maddox debating about Tesla stock splits. Austin talking about notes and recordings, good stuff there. Okay. Um, doubly. Okay. Uh, so,
0: Censored User asks probably one of our f- favorite questions
3: Why is Beanstalk and Beans not a Ponzi? Well, there's a lot of different ways to go about
1: this. And I think you skipped another fun question from Censored
0: User. All right. I will. Uh, yeah, I will. Scroll back and we'll find it then.
1: We, we don't have a good answer for it, but it's at least good to verbalize it because it's such a fun question. But to answer about why is stuck and Beans not a Ponzi? So a Ponzi scheme is, at least in the traditional sense, something where you're paying uh, newer investors with older investors. And so you take in money, uh, and then when you 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 basically promise to return some sort of growth on that money that you cannot return or, or you fall short of, and then the way that you ultimately pay people back their capital with the return is with new people's money. Uh, the the main fundamental thing that makes beanstalk totally different from a ponzi is that beanstalk can mint new beans. Beanstalk can actually fulfill the obligation. And furthermore, beanstalk never actually mints beans that it's not Prom, you know, never promises beans. It only mints beans according to the bean supply. It never says, oh, here are beans that we promise to meet you next season. That never happens. It only mints forward looking. And so when you consider the fact that sure, like the system is is reliant on the fact that it is able to attract people that will lend to it. And if you're lending to Beanstalk today and you know I'm not gonna be able to lend to Beanstalk forever, my bags aren't infinitely deep, uh, I'm going to need other people. Whenever I'm done lending to Beanstalk or run out of the capital I'm willing to risk lending to Beanstalk, I expect other people are also going to be willing to lend to Beanstalk. That certainly exists. But that idea that you know you're you're buying into something and expecting other people to also buy into it, and without other people buying into it, you you're unable to make a profit. That doesn't make it a Ponzi scheme. That just makes it some sort of collective endeavor. And the real elegance of Beanstalk is that it is able to coordinate independent actors to do different things to create this stability. And ultimately, you know, if you, if you take a big step back and you think about, well, what are miners for a crypto network? They're spending some sort of capital uh, in exchange for some sort of tokens that otherwise don't are not valuable other than the utility that the miners themselves are creating. And so if you think about lenders who are lending to Beanstalk, uh, you can think about them serving a similar role to the Beanstalk ecosystem as miners would to uh, uh, the Bitcoin ecosystem, for example, where they're expending some sort of resources today with the expectation of earning some sort of token in the future that will have value because of the utility that they're helping to create. But if they're the only ones mining the blockchain, then it's just a useless you know a useless uh, endeavor and you're burning electricity so in reality you know the fundamental thing that makes bean stock not a ponzi is its ability to mint its own currency and it's never issuing obligations or saying that it's going to pay you something that it cannot pay um but then beyond that the structure of the network as a whole is designed in a way that is very much aligned with other successful cryptocurrency systems and so you know if bitcoin is a ponzi scheme then, you know, that, that's a different starting point for this discussion. But if we stick to the traditional definition of a Ponzi scheme, and we're certainly not saying Bitcoin a Ponzi scheme. Sometimes our smirk gets lost through the voice modifier. Um, but, you know, just want to highlight, like, this is, this is a network that's designed to create, uh, positive network effects by aligning the incentives of distributed, disaligned, market participants uh, it's not designed to promise hey we'll pay you back with the next guy's money that's something that it does not do in basically any
3: capacity other than the pod line is first in first down appreciate that dumpling but on stage what can we do for you Tonight, oh, nothing nothing i'm good okay cool
0: you always welcome to hang out. So, okay, back to Censored User's fun question, and I apologize for not grabbing this earlier. Censored User asks, uh, man, start talking about symbols and stuff, so I'm going to try to verbalize this. Is it true that Yale Behavioral is greater than the Chicago School when it comes to explaining why Tesla stock shot up on the split?
1: So we don't, we don't, we're not going to speculate. We weren't watching the market that closely, so don't have a sense of how things actually traded, uh when this happened.
2: Um You know, also, you know, not, I mean, not sure if we would, if it's being called the Yale Behavioral School
1: these days, I guess we're out of touch, Um you know, but we would think that it's a little interesting to juxtapose Yale in Chicago when like Richard Thaler, who's one of the leaders of behavioral economics, I believe, they're at UChicago, um, But nonetheless, a very interesting question to think about and appreciate. Just
3: love the thought. (laughs) Shout out to Dick Thaler, one of the most entertaining behavioral economists out there. All right, scrolling down through. Again, I always love the banter. Man, lots of Farmer Dan. I, I think Farmer Dan's in the crowd.
0: Yeah, he is. Farmer Dan. Lots of, lots of shout outs, lots of pressure to get uh, get,
3: get lots of merch rolling. So we're going to do it. All right. Looking good.
0: Austin calling out 50. We got 49 now.
3: Great attendance. Appreciate everybody hanging on through the good discussion. Are we? Wow, I think. Okay. Bean Bankman Refried down at the
0: bottom of the the chat, even though there are folks still typing. Bean Bankman Refried asks When bean payments? When IRL bean farmers accepting beans for beans, ultimate utility.
1: Ultimately, <laughs> when beans are buying, when bean farmers are buying their beans with beans, uh, that will be like a mama, I made it moment. You know, like for what real? more could you, what more could you ever ask for? So, uh. You know, it's actually great. We we finally got to the end of the class discussion line. We seem to have exhausted the 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 (laughs) questions. What a great what a great way to uh to 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 end the
3: discussion today. What a fun class, huh? Indeed, man, can't beat it. Really can't. All right. Anything else, everyone? Otherwise, you're gonna have to wait until next week. That's right. del techo's typing looks like just gra-
0: dropping drop an awesome banter into the chat so i think i think
3: with that we're gonna call it almost two hours deep beautiful. impressive beautiful we 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 keep it going if you guys had questions we're not
1: we're not gonna be the ones to quit that's right so, that's right uh that'll be, be like a game of chicken will you guys keep coming up with, you know that, not the best uh maybe for for our <laughs> for us to to start taunting everyone with this uh yeah. we certainly uh love all the questions tremendously
0: indeed all right. Well, um, as always, pre- appreciate everybody's time. Always love the good questions. Um, you can keep it rolling in the chat. We will, if there's stuff that uh, we we didn't get this time around, we'll we'll grab it for
3: next class. This is also great stuff that we can always put on the podcast too, um, as we continue developing.